But if you take your hymnal for a moment, turn in the back section to page 968. That number is down on the bottom of the page, 968. From the Westminster Shorter Catechism, we'll, I'll read the question and we'll respond with the answer to number four, as we have been doing throughout this series on the attributes of God. It's page 968, question four. What is God? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. That if you go back to page 940, we'll read uh, the same question as it's given in the larger catechism, but we're given a, an expanded version here. Page 940, question 7. What is God? God is a spirit in and of himself, infinite in being, glory, blessedness, and perfection. All-sufficient, eternal, unchangeable, incomprehensible, everywhere present, almighty, knowing all things, most wise, most holy, most just, most merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. Turn in your scriptures this morning then to... A familiar psalm to us all, Psalm 23. Psalm 23, and we read this psalm this morning in light of the fact that one of the attributes of God is that he is everywhere present. Everywhere present. Psalm 23, the breathed out word of the Lord to us this morning. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we give thanks for this portion of your word in which we see your faithfulness to us and your love for us. And just bless Pastor Bob as he brings this message to us that that may be done by your spirit, we pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the attributes of God this morning, he is omnipresent. That's the term that we use to describe that phrase. We've talked about the fact before that God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Uh, we will in weeks to come, Lord willing, talk about the fact that God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful, therefore sometimes we refer to him as the almighty God. This morning, though, it's omnipresent. And it must be then, just by definition, 
okay, that omni means all. Now, for some of us who are old enough, we remember some car that was made a number of years ago that was called an omni. I think it was supposed to be our all-everything car. I don't think it did that well, okay? Um, I don't, I don't, it's still not on the market, so I don't think it did that well. Uh, it didn't live up to its building of being the all-car. But God does. He is the all. He is the all-knowing. He is the all-powerful. He is the all-present. Or as uh, the larger catechism put it, he is everywhere present. He is infinite in time and space. He's not like you and I. We, we are creatures. Creatures have a spot, have a place. God is not limited to that. God is not limited to being in one place at one time. I was watching a, an episode of Shark Tank the other day. And uh, the, uh, the kid was trying to sell this uh, means by which you could attend meetings without being there. Okay? So you, you could be there, but you weren't really there. And uh, one of the questions, the, the sharks kind of liked it, but one of the questions came up, how do you respond if you're asked a question by the professor in the class or by the CEO if you're just there by presence? So the idea was you could be sleeping in your bed, but yet present in the meeting. And they're like, it's not going to work. You can't be in two places at the same time. But God can. But it's not just two. It's everywhere present. But as we talk about that definition, we have to be careful. It means God is everywhere present. But what it doesn't mean is that all is God or everything is God. That would be pantheism. That would be to say, well, seeing God is everywhere, then that tree is God. Then that rock is God. That flower is God. Now, that's not what we mean, the omnipresence of God. That would be to turn things that are finite into God. That would mean to take things that are creatures and turn them into God. That's idolatry. That's paganism. Or pantheism in this case. So we don't mean that. We don't mean everything is God. But by the fact that God is omnipresent. God is everywhere present. Secondly, if you're following the outline. Let me just give you a few scriptures. Before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of this. If we were to go, for example, to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. This is the passage, once again, uh, Isaiah is seeing this vision of God high and lifted up. The train of his temple fills, the, the, the train of his robe fills the temple. And we read, the whole earth is filled with his glory. The whole earth. God's glory or we could phrase it, God's presence is everywhere. There is not one square inch of this universe or the universes beyond that does not have the presence of God. 
Or we could go to Psalm 139. We could take verses 7 through 12, which is basically what we just sang. Right? And, and what is the psalmist saying? It doesn't matter where I go. Wherever I go, you're there, Lord. Right? But, but it's not just the one psalmist. It's not just David. Hey, wherever I go, Lord, you're there. We got somebody else over here saying, wherever I go, Lord, you're there. Somebody else, wherever I go, Lord, you're there. Because God is everywhere present. If I make my bed in Sheol, the grave, you're there. If I could get up to the highest heavens, you're there. You were there inside of my mother's womb when I was being formed and I was being created. God is everywhere, present. That's what scripture tells us. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27, when Solomon is, is finishing the, the temple and the dedication of it, he speaks. Well, let's turn to me with that one. 1 Kings chapter 8. Okay, he, he's just finished building a house for the Lord. That, that's kind of what you have. He's just finished building a place for God to dwell in. And God says, I will. I'll dwell in that place. I, I will inhabit that temple. I will do so. 1 Kings chapter 8, 27. But will God. This is Solomon praying now. Okay? But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. So even though God promises to Solomon and the people of Israel that he will dwell in the temple. And he comes in with that glory and fills the temple so the priests cannot do their work. As a visual means by which the people know God's present with us. Solomon understands that that doesn't limit God to just being in the temple. Solomon understands that heaven and earth cannot contain the Lord. Why? Because he's infinite in time and space. He is everywhere present. So what are the implications of that? Of what scripture teaches us about the being of God. That he is everywhere present. Well, I'm going to divide it into two parts. The first part is there is certainly an implication for the unbeliever. Now, I don't address this sermon in the sense of I think you're all unbelievers, but there may be unbelievers present amongst us this morning. There may be those who are unconverted. There may be those who, who do not know Christ. There might be those who are viewing even live as we watch, as, as we worship, who are unconverted. Maybe there's going to be somebody who, you know, ticks through this later and comes across the video and says, I'm going to sit and watch this guy. He looks kind of silly up there. I wonder what he's talking about today. They may be an unbeliever. Probably are. What does it mean for them that God is everywhere present? Three things. One, 
that the presence of God is a witness to them. This is part of what Paul is getting at in Romans chapter 1 when he talks about the fact that God has made it known to this world of his presence, of his divine power, of his divinity. God has made it abundantly clear that he is present. An unbeliever may seek to flee that. They may seek to run from it, but they're going to have no more success than David had in Psalm 139. They may seek to mentally try to drive it from their heads. They may seek to try to, to, try to in some way talk themselves out of it. They may seek, as Paul says in Romans chapter 1, to suppress that truth, to put it down. But it doesn't change the truth. And you as an unbeliever know that. You know that God's presence is everywhere. Everywhere you look, you see the presence of God. You see his stamp placed upon this world. You see his divinity. You see his power. It's there. And that presence of God that fills the universe, that is everywhere, as an unbeliever, God is witnessing to you. He is speaking to you. He is saying, you cannot get away from me. You cannot run from me. You cannot hide from me. You have to deal with me. In your heart, in your soul, in your mind, in your life, you have to deal with the reality that I am right next to you at this moment. God is a witnessing God to that unbeliever. But he's also a condemning God. Because he sees what you're doing. He sees your sin. He sees your trespasses. He sees your iniquity. He sees every sin. He hears every word. He knows every thought. All of the violations of his law, of his will, of his being. God is there presenting himself as a witness... But he's also witnessing, he's also seeing that which the unbeliever does. And he's drawn up the evidence. The books are opened, we are told. Yeah, those books are going to be opened. In other words, God will divulge all the sin. I'm sure a number of you folks grew up with this prohibition over your head, as your parents would tell you as you left for the night on a Friday or Saturday night, just remember, if the Lord comes back tonight, where is he going to find you? Right? Many of us lived under the prohibition we couldn't enter a movie house because we thought if we did, God was coming back. That's the day. That's the night God's coming. We just knew it. Right? Yeah, God is everywhere present. He is a condemning God. He is a God of judgment. And you may try to flee. You may try to run. But it, it will do no good. 
Because no matter where you go, there stands God in his condemnation of your sin. But not only is God a witnessing and a condemning God, God is also a wrathful God. He's not just condemning those sins. He's not just going, tiss, 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 you naughty little boy, you naughty little girl. Shame on you for doing those things. That really upsets me. Now here, have a cookie and have a glass of milk. Now he's a wrathful God. So wrathful is he that he is even present in hell. Because you see, hell is not the absence of the presence of God. Hell is the absence of the grace of God. You still have to deal with God's presence. And he is an angry God. And he is taking out his wrath upon you there in hell for all of eternity. The New Testament uses two different words to speak of the presence of God. One, it says that the unbelievers are cast out of his presence. The other says in Revelation chapter 14 that they suffer under the presence of God. Well, how can that be? Is that contradictory? No, because two different Greek words are used. One means to be spatially removed. The other means to be removed from the face of. See, even though you may not be, think about it this way, as a subject coming into the presence of the king. Right? You're summoned in. There you are. He's sitting on the throne and he's got his robes on, his scepter and everything. You're there before the throne. You are physically, spatially present. But then he casts you out of his presence. But are you still in the presence of the king? Yes. Because you're under his rule, and you're under his control, and you're under his might. Think of how that word face comes into play when we give the benediction, right? right? May the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Think of the hymn we sing about, and the Father turned his face away from Christ. It's to turn, it's that idea that the face is, is the grace of God, the love of God, and the mercy of God. That is what the unbeliever forever is out of the presence of God of, but not of his judgment. The fires of hell are not lit by the devil and the demons. The torment of hell does not continue by the will and desire of Satan. It is the work of God. It is the presence of God. It is the continual, wrathful presence of God. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee? Nowhere. Nowhere. And if you think, eh, I don't know, Bob's kind of stepping out here. I'm not sure with, if, if this is all that reformed. I'll give you Dr. Lewis Burkhoff. He teaches that Paul refers to a total absence of the favor of God. This description of hell would present a more exact opposite of heaven. Heaven provides blessings and wholeness. 
not through being closer spatially to God. It's not that in heaven we're spatially closer, but by being in complete fellowship with him. Hell is associated with a complete lack of blessing due to the severing of any fellowship with God. That's what makes hell, hell. God is present in all of his judgment. Is God present at Calvary? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yet Christ can cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Unbeliever, you too need to deal with the everywhere presence of God. Some of you perhaps have an attitude. Well, when I die, I'm going to go to hell and then I don't have to deal with God. (laughs) Far from it. Far from it. You will be dealing with the wrath of God and his presence in wrath for all of eternity. But what about you and I? What does this teaching, what, what are the implications of the everywhere presence of God for you and I. We can even bring it closer to home because God does. Not only in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and surrounding, God speaks about the fact that we are the temples of God. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. In that sense, God is always present with us. If I move here, God is present. Why? Because I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Wherever I go, so does the temple go. The temple isn't a fixed place in Jerusalem. God saw fit to make sure that got destroyed. In order that we might have this this understanding that we are this temple. We are the place where the glory of God resides. We are where God has taken up residence. God is here. Right? Emmanuel, or Isaiah 7, 14. Call his name Emmanuel because God is with us. With us. As believers. As the covenant people of God. God's with us. His presence never leaves us. God indwells us. So I can never go away from the presence of God, nor is God's presence ever removed from me. There is never a time in my life in which I can say, God, you're absent from me. Truly, the Christian can never say, where are you, God? The believer can never say that. Because as a believer, God is always present. He is always indwelling you. And then you add on top of it, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 28, 20. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. There there is no time at which God abandons you and I. How much different than than that unbeliever that we spoke of? How much different than, than those individuals? God is not the one who is condemning us. 
There is now no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. God's presence is an indwelling presence, a holy presence that lives within us and lives within us and he never leaves. If I go to the doctor and I'm told I've got cancer, God didn't leave. For our brothers and sisters out there in the world who are undergoing persecution, God's not leaving you. God's not vacating the premises. God is still with you. What an absolute blessing this is. Think of where we'd be if we had to say, God's in heaven and that's the only place God can be. Or God can only be over in England, but God can't be anywhere else at the same time. Or, or God can be ministering to our brothers and sisters in China, but he can't be anywhere else. Yeah, God may be in room 406 of Spectrum Health, but he can't be in room 407. Because God's limited. No, God is everywhere. God is all present. He's all present in terms of always being there, but always in terms of time as well. But now I want you to come back to Psalm 23. You may say, why would you read the passage, Pastor Bob? You haven't even referred to it yet. And no, I'm not just beginning the sermon. That wasn't just all introduction. But as I was reflecting on Psalm 23 in regards to this sermon, I was thinking, do you see the presence of God? Do do you see David writing this psalm? And going, you know, it occurs to me that no matter where I am, God's there. No matter where I go, God's there. How do I know that? Well, what's my job? I'm a shepherd. What do I do? I'm always with my sheep. I I don't leave my sheep. I don't abandon my sheep. I don't run away from my sheep. I guard. I protect. I provide for my sheep. Holy Spirit, the Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. He's there with me at night. He's there with me in the day. You know, one of the worst things that that sometimes I experience in life is that if for some reason reason or other, Sandy is away for a night, and I've had a meeting, okay, and I'm coming home at 11.30, and I gotta walk into that house at 11.30 at night with it pitch black. I hate that, okay? I absolutely detest opening that door and walking into that big house, dark, right? But the Lord's my shepherd. Wherever I go, walk into a dark house at night, the Lord's there. He hasn't left. He hasn't abandoned. It's not like the darkness Oh, didn't, didn't, didn't we have that in Psalm 139? Not the, that the darkness, what, is as light to thee. 
Even the darkness. It's not like God's going, Bob, where are you? I can't see you. It's dark in this house. You okay in there, Bob? And I'm sure others of you have that. Maybe at a younger age yet. Still scared of that darkness. You don't need to be. I don't need to be. The Lord is my shepherd. He's there with me in the darkness. And I think David understood darkness because there was no artificial light from the cities. He's out there in the dark. The Lord is my shepherd. He's the one who makes me lie down in green pastures. He's the one who leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Do you see all the action? How, how, is God doing that from a distance? No, a shepherd doesn't do his work from a distance. The shepherd is always present with his sheep. He's not like on his computer, okay, issuing orders to the sheep. He's not on his cell phone telling the sheep what to do. He is present with them. And our God is everywhere present. Everywhere I go, everywhere you go, God is present and he's active. He is working. And even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, brother and sister in Christ who may come across this in the persecuted church, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, You can fear no evil. Why? Well, God's up there in heaven and he's in control. God will deliver me. Now, what's the comfort? For you are with me. You're with me. You're not over there. You're not attending to something else and can't spend time with me you're with me God's all present being surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever God's all presence. Yeah, it means one thing for an unbeliever. But I hope if if you are one of those unbelievers and you've listened long enough, you go, I want that. I, I want that all presence of God. I want that indwelling presence. I want that enduring presence. I want that comforting presence of God. And you need to repent. You need to look to Christ. And God promises, I will never turn away from you. Now go and live as his person, as his sheep.
for you and I as believers, whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, whatever uncertainty is out there, whatever discouragement is now upon your heart, whatever is causing you to faint and be weary, might be physical, it might be emotional, it might be a spiritual thing. God's present. He's here. He's with you. He's in you. And he's never going to leave. Ever. Draw from him your strength and hope and peace. Amen? Amen.